tell me, there's a quote that he tells me a lot. He'll say, this ain't no hill for a climber. This ain't no hill for a climber. You got this, brother. This ain't no hill for a climber. And I think about that, and I think I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Even in the remainder of that we hear that we're to pray that the peace of God that surpasseth all understanding will come and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. All that's in Philippians. And then Philippians 4.13. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All this is out of the book of Philippians. I encourage you to read Philippians. Now, Sheila already made reference to the uh, fruit, and some of you read it in the 3D, that Lana and I were in Honduras years ago. The most delicious, perfect pineapple that I ever ate in my life came straight out of a field in Honduras. We were actually there and saw just fields and fields of, of pineapples, and so they actually took one and took it away from the plant, and then they took a machete and cut the top off of it, and they sliced down, and we stood there and ate delicious, juicy pineapple. And I wasn't sure what the kids were going to respond when Sheila asked them, what does it taste like? I'm thinking, it tastes like a pineapple. That's what I was wanting to tell you. But when it runs down and the juice runs down your elbow, it's kind of like eating a Chilton County peach when it's just right. And all that juice is just perfect. I did a little research on the Internet and found out that the plant itself uh, doesn't last forever and ever. You only get one plant off of it, one fruit. And then usually it takes about two years, I didn't realize that, after they planted it. Costa Rica is the number one producer for America where we get our pineapples, and Honduras is number two. But I grew up, like many of you, I, I don't think we had a whole pineapple. I don't remember seeing any that often. Mine were always the little round ones, the pineapple. Had a hole, right, perfect hole right in the middle of I thought, well, man, those, those pineapples are perfect. And they had dull written on the side of the can. That's all I remember. But when I ate that, I thought, man, this is how pineapple tastes. But in order to produce the perfect pineapple, for it to mature, you've got to have the right climate. You've got to have the right soil, the right moisture, temperature. All of that makes a difference. You can grow them in the south. and We do in Florida and parts of Alabama. You can. But they just grow better. And they mature when the climate gets right. What does it take for a Christian to mature? I want to look today in Philippians, in particular, a prayer that Paul prayed over the people at Philippi in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. So we're growing on to love. We're being perfected in love. That your love may abound still more and more, but he adds in knowledge and in discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. A simple definition of righteousness is just right. Living, rightness, to know between right and wrong, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul, right off the bat, gives us three things, three characteristics that are essential 
I think, for maturity in Christ. There's others, but we're going to talk about these three. Three essential characteristics. Love, knowledge, discernment. Why does the Holy Spirit, why does the Holy Spirit include the need for knowledge and discernment, wise perception, along with the need to abound in love? Because we know that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, the love chapter. Love, faith, and hope, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And we know the great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. But why does the Holy Spirit include that we should also have knowledge as we grow in that love and discernment or wise perception? There are a lot of definitions to the word love floating around out there in our world today. You can make up any definition you want, and the world does. The secular world has its own definition of what love is, so that's part of the reason why we need to have a definition for love that is grounded in biblical understanding, biblical love. So we know that as we look at our world around us, love can be easily misinterpreted. It's not balanced in truth. So we do need truth. We need knowledge to mingle in this love that we're abound in. We know that the Bible tells us in 1 John that God is love. But we also know that Jesus said he's the truth. Remember when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one shall come to the Father except through me. So that's, that's important information to know. That's some knowledge we need to know. So while God is love, God is also truth. The scripture that I read earlier, when Jesus said to the disciples in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, knowledge, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The NIV says to set you free, either one. Truth sets us free. When we know truth, we understand it. Truth is just as critical. Knowledge is just as important as love. Both of them need to be mingled together. I came across something that I think that I have read here before. The writer is unknown. I read it Thursday night and I had two or three ask me for a copy of it. So I've made some copies if you're interested. An unknown writer, while holding up the Bible, said these words. This book the mind of God. It is the state of man. It is the way of salvation. It is the doom of sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light. It contains light to direct you. It contains food to support you. It contains comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. It is the pilgrim's staff. It is the pilot's compass. It is the soldier's sword. It is the Christian's character. Here in this book, paradise is restored. Heaven is opened. And the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject. Our good is its design. And the glory of God 
is a theme. It should fill the memory. It should rule the heart. And it should guide the feet. Read it slowly. Read it frequently. And read it prayerfully. It is a mine, M-I-N-E. It is a mine of wealth. It is a paradise of glory. And it is a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts. And it will lead you to Calvary. It will lead you to an empty tomb. It will lead you to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes. To glory itself for eternity's sake. That's why we need knowledge. That's why the Holy Spirit said, Oh, I pray for the church that they'll abound. I pray that they'll abound more and more in love. But not at at the expense of some knowledge. Not at the expense of some discernment and some wisdom to know how to operate and live in this love. Hosea, we've been studying the minor prophets uh, on the Bible study, and by the way, Zephaniah is in the Bible, I promise you, it's in there. But Hosea, we studied Hosea. Remember Hosea is the story of Hosea when God said, I want you to take a prostitute, I want you to go buy, buy her back. You want me to do what? God says, Hosea, I want you to purchase her back off a slavery brothel, your wife who went into prostitution and living, and I want you to buy her back. Does because God wants to teach Israel how much He loves them and how much He loves you that He's willing to buy you back. He's willing to purchase you. So the whole book's about love and this God who loves us immensely. But in the midst of Hosea is a scripture that we sometimes quote, and it's God saying to Hosea in Hosea 4 6, My people are destroyed. For a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So knowledge is important. In the midst of this whole book about the love of God, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So knowledge is critical. That's why the Holy Spirit included it in Philippians. Our love is imperfect. That's why we need to keep abounding in it. So Paul prays that their love might not only more and more abound, but in deeper knowledge and in broader perception. So the quality of our love can be improved through knowledge and discernment. Because because then we're better able to distinguish between good and evil, that fruit of righteousness. So the knowledge of God defines our love and our behavior, which abounds in the right and wrong living. Dr. Dennis Kinlaw said it this way, love without knowledge can be damaging. Love without knowledge can be damaging. God desires for you and I to have knowledgeable love. Then we also need discernment in order to use knowledge wisely. The title of the sermon is about not crossing the road without looking both ways. Every one of you have done that with your children or grandchildren, or if you hadn't, I highly recommend it. They need to know knowledge before they cross that street. 
And most of the time, if we see them getting near a street, or if we say to them, because I remember a time when Dave and Audra, we were near a highway, don't you go near that highway. But if you ever do, you stop and you look both ways. You stop and you look both ways because you don't know what's coming. And most of us have said that in some kind of a stern voice. If you did that, it's because you love your kids. You want them to know if something's coming or not. In the same way, God doesn't want us to go out into this world until we look both ways. You don't know what might be coming. So with that love that he operates in us and through us, and even the fruit that Sheila said, love and joy and peace, but we need knowledge to go with that. Before we go out in the world, we need to look both ways. We need to have some discernment about what's out there. We need the definition of God's love before we go out there. Paul prayed for an insightful love. In other words, that's kind of a, a depth of insight. A love without wisdom and without knowledge can actually become dangerous. We see that in our world today. Of doing things in the name of love that even God never intended. In fact, he didn't intend because it didn't line up with truth. It wasn't true knowledge. Jesus said that the truth shall set you free. It shall make you free. So we need to know knowledge along with that love. Otherwise, it can become dangerous. How can I love God if all I do is please myself? How can I love God if I do not understand Him? How can I love my neighbor if I do not know what is God's will for my neighbor? I'm going along with the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. And then another question to reason with, how can I love God, my neighbor, and myself if I do not have the ability to discern the shades and the subtleties of truth as they interact with darkness? Because we live in a dark world. Jesus said that Satan cometh but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We know there's a scripture that tells us, and this one's a strange one, there's a scripture that reminds us that Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. That's why we need to look both ways before we come in this world. We need knowledge. We need wisdom. We need discernment. Love must be insightful. Living out love in righteousness, knowing right and wrong, through the power of God's indwelling spirit, is an essential characteristic of effective love. Paul prayed over the church. One of the questions I ask is, what would it, what would it take for you to be fully mature as a Christian? Well, at least three things today. We know that it takes love that we might abound more and more. Not at the expense of knowledge. Love, it says, in knowledge and in discernment. Paul prayed for the church, and I have several times this week been studying this, or the last week and a half or so, I prayed over our church. You may be visiting with us, you may be at another church, I'll throw you into this prayer too. But I want to I pray over us as we close this prayer in my own way. Paul prayed over Philippi. 
Let's pray over Gadsden first. God, I do pray over this church, this church that you sent Tyler and I to to be a pastor, Chris, Sheila, to minister to the gospel of Christ. I, I pray for Gadsden First United Methodist Church believers and any other believers, Catholic, Church of God, Assembly of God, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. God, we're believers. We're children of the faith. I pray for all of us, God, that we would abound more and more in love, but in knowledge, in discernment and perception. God, I pray that over our church, that we'll have the balance that you intend before we walk across this room. God, have mercy upon us all. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our closing hymn. The altar is always open. You may want to respond to something God's spoken to you in the Word or